Hey everyone, it's Heather. I'm so excited about our new resource for single women, Authentically You. One of the most challenging parts of life is navigating relationships. This can be especially true for women who have been tainted by negative sexual experiences and mistakes from their past, or when the struggle with porn and masturbation takes hold and won't let go. This leaves them feeling distant from God, separated by the weight of shame and regret. If this is you, you're not alone. Authentically You was written specifically for single and college-aged women, those who are on the working career path and those who are in college. This 20-lesson curriculum is easily adaptable to a busy work schedule or a college semester system. Through this group experience, you'll explore how your past pain and trauma contribute to distorted beliefs and an unhealthy thought life. You'll uncover the role your family of origin plays in your past and current behaviors and address the issues that perpetuate compulsive and addictive patterns. And through the use of weekly exercises, strategic tools, and self-care focus, you'll learn how to live in health, how to live as your true, authentic self. I know God has a plan for your life to bring you to a place of health and wholeness. If you allow it, God will do amazing things in you and through you. So pre-order today, Authentically You. Go to puredesire.org A-Y. That's puredesire.org A-Y. Welcome to the Pure Desire Podcast, helping you take back your life from unwanted sexual behavior and betrayal trauma. Merry Christmas, everyone. I am your host, Trevor Windsor, and you're listening to episode 285 of the Pure Desire Podcast. Here joining me, as always, is my co-host, Nick Stumbo. It's the most wonderful time of the year. I like that. I like that low register. Way to go. Uh, listen. I got a little pitchy in the middle. My apologies. Choosing not to focus on it. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so we are close to Christmas. I mean, at the time that we're releasing this one, we're five days out. Yeah. So it's coming in hot. Um, and today, I think there's an easy tie-in because we are in week three of our Health for the Holidays series. And we had our content manager, Heather Kolb, on to talk about coping skills. Yeah. Question first, Trevor. What oh, do sure. you think is the most overplayed Christmas song out there? Mm, Mariah Carey. Uh, well, why am I blanking on it right now? Um, it's probably because I'm in a tough season of life. Uh, someone help me. What is it? That's all I want for Christmas yeah. is you. There it is. That like, I just I literally can hear the like high squeal pitch that she has. It. I mean, she's incredible. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. that is just the that that is kind of the song that gets like the the I would say it's the line the, like jingle bells like on the yeah, background. Like, there's just, just too like, much of it. Too much. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I think there's a, a lot of songs, but that that was the one I thought of too. So we're on the same page okay, there. But good. most wonderful time, I think that's the ditty that gets used maybe as a backdrop in more yes. commercials, movies, anything. And <laughs> and it really does, yeah. I think, express the sentiment we all want to feel around Christmas. Like it's going to be the most wonderful time, sure. but we also know the reality that it can be a very painful time of year, mm-hmm. whether it's because of family issues, right. because of the recovery journey we're on and memories that get triggered because of loss people have experienced and people who aren't here this year. I mean, there's just so many things that make it a complicated time of year. And it is, as we've discussed a lot, a time when people can encounter relationship challenges, relapse challenges, encountering past wound challenges. And we just want to try to offer some encouragement Mm -hmm. in how to walk through uh, this season and really have it be as wonderful as it can be. Because what we're celebrating truly is wonderful. And we don't want to lose sight of that with all the complexities that can be happening in our world and our families. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and Heather was a great 
guest for this one. I mean, she just thinks so practically about things like this. And so we had a great time. But before we get there, uh, Nick, we are running a campaign called Access Granted, where hold for dramatic effect. We are raising $250,000. What are we raising money for? That is a lot of cashola, Trevor, uh, for pure <laughs> desire. But, you know, for a company Anybody. like Amazon, yeah. no, Netflix, oh, okay. that's that, that'd be, you know, that's pennies for them. And the reality is that gr- groups like Amazon and Netflix have invested millions of dollars mm-hmm. in building their websites on a platform that is really user-based around your account and the content you want to see and delivering it in a way that is seamless, is attractive, uh, user-friendly, all those things that right now, honestly, the average normal WordPress website like ours is not built to handle. Mm-hmm. And what we've seen over the last three, four years is increasingly the front door to Pure Desire Ministries mm-hmm. is our website, that someone comes to us not only for information, but then to participate in their group, to get content, to listen to the podcast, to stream videos, mm-hmm. to go through a workbook. And as that happens, yep. uh, just the capacities for growth are very limited. And so that's why we're rebuilding on a whole new platform that not only will help our current users, but positions us, I think, for years to come where we can scale, we can get international, we can get into more languages. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a web guy, so I can't give you the technical <laughs> side of it. But from a motivational standpoint, it's like, man, that's what we need. Yeah. And we just realized as we're growing and expanding things, it's like, if we're going to pull the trigger on this, it'd be a lot better to yeah. do now. And so we yeah. probably are, you know, in, in terms of the world, like, we're probably a small organization to be yeah. trying to do this, but it's because of what we see God is doing through pure desire and the mm-hmm. belief of what yeah. we do need. And so we're like, yeah. if we can position ourselves for that growth now, uh, we just think there's a lot of wisdom in it. And so we're asking, you know, uh, our, our fans, people that have been impacted by pure desire to say, yeah. would you help us get there? Because we think yeah. for years to come, we're going to look back and just say, wow, look how God has used this yeah. uh, to make pure desire user-friendly for, you know, maybe millions of people. Yeah. Um, our web guy who does know (laughs) that stuff has described it to me as we're putting like right now on the outside, pure desire can look like a Ferrari, but it doesn't quite have the engine in it to uphold it and to make it go where it needs to go as fast as it needs to go and as well as it does. And so this is like a new engine in so many ways. And there's a lot of different things we're going to do. There's going to be, um, some internationalization, I believe is a word I'm using it now anyway. Um, that we get to do a lot of translation stuff and offer new products and resources. And so if you would like to be a part of this access granted campaign, you can go to puredesire.org slash give and let's do it. Well, I believe that we can do it. Let's raise $250,000 and give more people access to healing and freedom. Before we get to the episode with Heather, subscribe to the podcast, follow us on social media, and you can find this full episode up on YouTube. That was quick. Let's get to it. Here's week three of our Health for the Holidays series with Heather Kolb on coping skills. Heather, we're excited to have you back with us today. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me back. I really, I really do wish our listeners knew the types of <laughs> conversations we had before. Uh, if you, if we had started the recording, I don't know, thirty seconds earlier, you would have heard <laughs> Nick's good, Mike good Tyson time. impersonation. <laughs> it's great. We're obviously really excited about the holidays here. Uh, we are in week three of our Health for the Holidays series, and today we're going to be talking about coping skills and. Um, you know, some conversations we were having before the episode that might seem weird that we're talking about coping skills. Like, what are they? I kind of thought they were bad, but we're going to jump into it and really start to unpack this so we better understand what we're talking about. And that's exactly where we're going to start is when we say coping skills, what do we actually mean? 
So typically we're talking about conscious thoughts and behaviors that we all use to really navigate or manage unpleasant emotions or stressful situations. And so you often hear coping skills or coping strategies, Mm -hmm. coping mechanisms. They're all the same type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I hear a lot of like, you know, especially with me, people know I'm sarcastic, like it's just a coping mechanism, you know, but I tend to hear that as just a negative thing. And I tend to think like, I mean, number one, I have to journal about it because it hurts my feelings when people say that. But at the same time, like what you're saying is that coping isn't necessarily all bad, that it's because what I thought was it's something that's helping me survive. And maybe it's not like life or death, but to me, it feels like survival, relational, emotional, physical, whatever. It's a way to, um, I don't know, I feel like there's a lot of things you can do, a lot of ways you could describe it, but it's, it's a way for me to be able to put processor language to my experience and do it in a way that helps me feel like I'm able to survive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen a social media meme lately that says, I want to build a life that I don't have to escape from. And I think we could say the <laughs> same thing, like I want to build a life that I don't have to cope uh, to live. Yeah. But the truth is that's kind of like an ideal, maybe perfect life because mm-hmm. the reality is we all go through difficult things. We all experience very challenging emotions. We all go through physical, emotional, mental lows. Yeah. And at that moment, Uh, in time, whether it's happening to us all the time or occasionally, we have to have something or some things we go to to cope, to um, recenter, to get back to a healthy place. And what I think has given coping such a a negative terminology is it does tend to be used more often than not to refer to negative coping strategies. Mm -hmm. But what we're going to discuss on today's podcast is how many positive or healthy coping strategies there can be um, because that's, I think, a part of life that until we're really yeah. at a place where, man, I don't need anything to get through life other than, you know, me and all my perfect relationships. I mean, if you're there, you're probably not listening to this podcast yeah, because honestly, you don't need good us for you. Yeah, <laughs> and you. you don't need the honest conversations <laughs> we're having. But for the rest of us that are going through a life that is not perfect. And at times we've got to have strategies, how we deal with it. That's yeah. what really this podcast is about. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So let's get into that as it relates to holidays, Heather, because I feel like we've done a few holiday episodes on self-care. Um, and so why is coping skills so important during the holidays? And is it the same thing as self-care or how would you differentiate those things? So I tend to think of self-care as kind of under the umbrella of coping skills or coping strategies, Mm -hmm. that it's part of that, or it's something that someone could do to engage in self-care that would help them to cope or navigate life stresses in a healthy way. And Mm -hmm. so I kind of see it under the umbrella of coping skills. I guess that would be the best, best way to identify that. And you said something about um, during the holidays. I think one of the things about the holidays, even though it's the most wonderful time of the year, it's also we have a lot of extras. Mm -hmm. We're extra busy. We're extra social. We're extra stressed. Mm -hmm. We have extra events. We have all of this extra stuff that really doesn't even normally exist in the other 10 or 11 months of our lives out of the year. And so... I think that with all of the extra and the expectations that it does become more Mm -hmm. stressful and anxious. And so I really think that having good um, coping skills during the holidays is going to be a great way to help navigate that. Yeah. Uh, You know, to piggyback off what you were saying earlier, Nick, if you are listening to this podcast, it's probably because you've had coping skills or behaviors that have gotten you to a negative place. 
I think that that's important to understand, even just from you know the set of this conversation, is that's really what brought us to this point, are the coping skills or behaviors that actually have had a negative impact on us. And I think that, um, you know, and I know we'll kind of get into this a little bit in the next question too, but around the holidays, we're around um, the people and the context with which those coping skills were potentially developed. And I think that that's why it's important to understand it when we're back in that season of the year, because that's when we tend to have the most exposure or at least the expected exposure to our Mm -hmm. family of origin. Yeah, we've used the terminology too, that we're using something to medicate pain or medicate when we're feeling something we don't want to feel. And we can use negative things or positive things. We can run towards things that help Mm -hmm. us. And I, I think in terms of the holidays, we talked about this in the last episode, that part of what can make those gatherings or our plans go better is when we expect that something may go poorly, that we're going to be at this family gathering. And I expect at some point that I'm going to feel called out or humiliated Mm -hmm. or that my kids are going to have a meltdown and I'm going to feel embarrassed (laughs) as a parent. And if we expect that, then I think coping skills kind of becomes the follow-up to go, okay, and if I expect X, Y, or Z to go poorly, what is my plan? What I will do when it does go poorly? You know, will I just have to, you know, leave the room in a huff and you know, have another Christmas quote unquote ruined by that, you know, child acting out or whatever happens, or will I know, okay, here's something I can use. Here's a strategy. Here's a plan that will allow me to kind of self-regulate, to get back to a place Mm -hmm. of, okay, I'm, I'm breathing again. I'm remembering who I am. I'm remembering what's important. And now I can, you know, if, if appropriate, re-engage in that situation because I've chosen some healthy coping skills for mm-hmm. the things I've expected to go poorly. And I think, as, as you were saying, Heather, there tend to be more of those situations around the holidays than at other times of the year. Yeah. Although really any time of year, I think we need to kind of yeah. have our, our list of what, what are we going to rely on? Um, because as we've said, no, no time of the year is perfect. There's always going to be challenges, but totally. maybe at this time more than o- others, we're just really maxed out on what we can handle. Yeah. So I think we've already established that there is such a thing as healthy coping skills or healthy coping behaviors. Why is it necessary to know what healthy coping skills are during this season? Like, why does that, why are you even having this conversation, basically? I think that one of the things that's important to recognize, and and we'll probably talk about this more too, but our coping skills are unique to us. And so really it's looking at what is it to us that that we do that helps to bring balance mm-hmm. into our lives? What is it for us that we run to when we're trying to escape something or like you said, avoid something? And I think that that really is a telltale sign of looking at our behaviors and understanding why we're doing what we're doing and whether or not they're Mm -hmm. healthy or not. And so I can give you an example. So I know that for me, and this isn't necessarily holiday specific, but it's just the one that comes to mind. So I, when I was in school, I recognized that when I felt pressure to write a paper or do some form of homework and I started to feel overwhelmed, I would vacuum. And it was one of the things, now vacuuming in and of itself is not a bad thing. But as I look back at these different patterns that I developed, vacuuming meant procrastinating. Mm -hmm. And it was a way that I was, and even justifying, well, I'm not doing anything wrong because I'm doing homework or I'm doing housework, right? right? Which needs to be done. But then when I really looked at it, it was, I'm avoiding, I'm trying to escape some unpleasant feeling because maybe I'm feeling that my paper won't be perfect Mm -hmm. or that I'll get a bad grade or something like that. And so 
that's why I say that it's unique to each of us. And it has to be something that in our level of awareness that we understand mm-hmm. that, okay, this, this coping skill is not a, is not a bad thing necessarily. Vacuuming is not bad, but when I'm using it in a negative way, yeah. then for me, it's negative. Yeah. That's a great story because you procrastinate by vacuuming and I procrastinate on vacuuming. Like I would do the opposite. I'd probably rather work on the paper (laughs) versus get to that uh, chore of vacuuming. So every person is unique. And I think to your question, Trevor, the, the why is it so important to recognize them in this holiday season is because for many of us, the ways that maybe the rest of the year we could cope or, or activate some coping skills might not be available to us. So like for me in in years past, there've been many times where we travel to places like Montana or Minnesota for Christmas, where usually there's ice and snow on the ground. And so, you know, one of my coping skills is to make sure I exercise or I can get out of the house and Mm -hmm. go for a run. Well, that may not work if it's 10 degrees below zero and there's ice and snow everywhere. And so I've got to think ahead, like if I need time to reset or to Mm -hmm. get alone, it's it's probably not going to be a run or I, you know, I don't have a gym membership there. I don't have access sometimes to the same tools or resources mm-hmm. that I might at other times. Right. Uh, maybe for other people, it's things like they've they've got their office that they can go to and unwind. Well, at the holidays or Christmas, maybe a family is staying in their office. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I can't go there. And so yeah. it just disrupts maybe the things that we have been relying on mm-hmm. to cope when things get difficult. And just we're trying to emphasize, how could you think ahead to the unique situations that you'll be facing and still make sure that you have a game plan going into it? Yeah. We're at this season right now where our oldest is now in school full day and we've gotten into a new rhythm. Um, and it's funny, we even had this conversation a couple of weeks ago, but around the holidays, kids who are in school don't have that rhythm anymore. And I, it was like, where on earth is this energy coming from? Like you come home after school and you're wired because you're five and it's fun. But like throughout the day, he was just manic up and down, crazy back and forth. And it's because the rhythms are being disrupted. And I think that that's why coping skills are so important. And it's funny. um, I don't think we realize this or think about this often, but like we're just like five-year-old Brady. We also are going manic and going up and down if we don't have our rhythms in place. Um, It doesn't look like the five-year-old, you know, where we're doing all these crazy things and running around the house with a Hulk mask and stomping. But maybe it is. And if that's where it is, then you need therapy. But uh, I think... um, I think that there's a lot to be said about the lack of schedule and the new rhythms and the new routines that happen in this season and how that can throw us off because we're so used to the patterns that we put in place. And so I think that that's why you need healthy coping skills is because when your pattern is disrupted, I don't know about you guys, but when Mm -hmm. it's disrupted for me, I am not a happy person. I am grumpy and grouchy and it is just like, you don't want to be around me. And that's why we need healthy coping skills because we don't need to just spew all over everybody else when things get disrupted. So Heather, you already gave the example of vacuuming as for you, one of those things that, you know, the activity in and of itself is not necessarily bad or good, It, but it became for you an, a negative strategy maybe of avoiding. Um, help people think through that a little more in terms of the, the choices they're making, because that's the reality, right? Like all mm-hmm. of us without listening to this podcast are already doing things to cope. We already have coping strategies, but how could people analyze in their life, whether it's something that's a healthy one or an unhealthy one, or maybe at a minimum leading towards unhealth? So I, I mean, again, this is something that's unique to all of us. I think that sometimes it has to do with um, why you're doing what you're doing. And 
if you are, especially when it comes to relationship, yeah. you know, if you're doing something that is pulling you out of relationship with other people or mm-hmm. creating isolation in your life, then yeah. that's typically not going to be something that is healthy. Yeah. Whereas things that push you toward community or, you know, cause you to, to mm-hmm. be around other people, yeah. or even when it comes to stuff like self-care, you mm-hmm. know, doing stuff that involves other people. Yeah. I think some of those kind of things yeah. are really a good indicator of health and, or what's healthy and what's not healthy. I think too, um, and I said this uh, in a a previous episode, just how I feel about myself after doing that behavior is going to be a good indicator to me. Um, It's funny, growing up, my mom used to always say, if you have to ask the question, you probably already know the answer. (laughs) And I think there's a lot of truth to that. Um, But if I, if I'm doing a certain behavior, you know, and, and there's times where I do a behavior and I don't feel bad. And there are times I do the same behavior and do feel bad. That's probably an indicator. There's something Mm -hmm. going on specific to that moment. Um, But also I think looking at how people respond when you do that behavior is also a good indicator. I've told this story before. Um, I think it was actually during the holidays a few years ago, I was like hot and heavy into the Harry Potter books and I just was like devouring them. And I found myself going home and then immediately going back to the room, not like saying hi to the family, but going back and just kind of diving in. And my wife came back. I was like, what are you doing? It's like, I'm reading. She's like, oh, and then walks out. When, I, when your spouse says something like that <laughs> oh. with that tone, mm-hmm. one word, danger, danger, right? Like, <laughs> but what I found is that if I was able to go and say to her, like, hey, I would like some time to read today, her response was much different. And so I think that one was trying to avoid and maybe trying to not experience some of the negative parts of life, maybe a conversation or an argument. And one was trying to be proactive to seek that connection first and then um, go about that coping skill. So I think a lot can be said about how people respond when you do that coping skill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I had two things that came to mind kind of along those lines that number one is self-awareness. Mm-hmm. That if I have the self-awareness that I am choosing to do this activity now or take this step or engage in this habit because it's a healthy way that I cope and I'm aware of it. Sometimes the same activity could be either one. And I I think of like for myself, I could find myself at a holiday gathering just on the couch watching football alone. And I've not even thought about why I'm there or Mm. what I'm avoiding or how long I'm going to be there. It's just, I'm just kind of numbing out to the world because it's a way to cope with all the stuff going on around me. The busyness, the noise, the emotions, the relationships. And it's just like, I'm done. But if I'm not aware of it, I can be doing it actually in an unhealthy way and for probably far too long versus if I have self-awareness that says, you know, if if I take a break from everything for 30, 40 minutes, just kind of get some mental, let my brain just go kind of on neutral, then I can Mm re-engage and I have a plan. And even more so if I've communicated with my wife, like, hey, I'm going to just go watch 40 minutes of a game. I'll probably end up falling asleep for a little bit, but, you know, make sure I'm back in here by one o'clock or whatever so that we can do that family thing. That self-awareness over the same activity is totally different and, mm-hmm. and I think can make the difference between healthy or unhealthy. Um, and the second thing that came to mind is what I would call after effects, is what happens after you've engaged totally. that coping skill. And so the, obviously the classic bad example is like the person who gets drunk you know, and, and then passes out of sleep and wakes up in the morning with a headache and all their problems are just as bad as they were. It's just the next Probably morning. Worse, actually. And now, yeah. yeah, now people are mad at them for getting <laughs> drunk and passing out. That's right. Now, I, I think most of us listening to this podcast, that's probably not our vice, but we can think of similar things where like, yeah, I've, I've done that. And when the next day rolls around, nothing's gotten better. Um, I feel worse and the people around me are probably angry at me. Well, mm-hmm. that's an indication, no matter what the activity was, even if it's something as 
perhaps benign as staying up way too late watching a good movie. Right. But because you stayed up late, you slept in, then you wake up groggy, you're not as engaged. Like that didn't help you or the people around you. Mm -hmm. So I think in terms of a healthy coping skill, it's to look around and say, after I've used that to cope, has it made my life or the life of people around me any better? Yeah. And if the answer is no, then no matter what the activity is, it's right. it's not healthy for you and your circumstance. I'm thinking about your vacuuming. Like if you're in the middle of like an argument with your spouse and you just stop and go <laughs> plug in the vacuum and start going around the I house. I can't hear you. It's just like, that is, that's such a, cl- like everyone listening would be like, oh yeah, obviously. Like mm-hmm. you're just avoiding something. And so I think that that's part of this conversation is understanding that that's what we're doing. We're, it's. The same stuff that drove us to pornography or drove us to being a control freak or alcohol or whatever is the same stuff that drives us to maybe these things that are more palatable maybe in the Christian world. Like I And I do the same thing. It's so weird. I don't love to clean, but when I'm upset, I do the dishes, I clean the house. Mm-hmm. And I've gotten to the point now where my, my youngest son, who's two and a half, like mimics me. <laughs> Where like he like he's like walking around the house, following me, growling, doing the same stuff that I'm doing. That's probably a good indicator too. When your kids are like mirroring what you're doing, and if you don't like what you see, it's like, oh, okay, maybe I should make some changes. Mm-hmm. And even when it comes to some of the, um, like you said, aftershocks, it's almost the over, you know, like overeating, overspending, mm. over gaming, over, totally. you know, those yeah. are some of the other things that when you look at that, it's like, okay, that's probably an unhealthy. Yeah use of this coping skill that probably don't have parameters around it or you've checked in with someone else on the timing of it or yeah Mm -hmm. Um, i also think of the words like escaping or managing mm -hmm. like is is coping just about escaping it's probably not going to make it better if coping is out of self-awareness this is going to help me manage a situation and then re-engage just that mindset Mm -hmm. it it relates to over i think because usually we're doing over this over that it's we're just escaping Mm -hmm. right but if we're using things at an appropriate level, like I go for a, a little walk, I go watch a little bit of television yeah. and then re-engage, I'm managing. And I think that could help people yeah. think through the categories. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, so is there ever a point at which we should be concerned that we're using too many coping skills in life? I think so. And I think that it really looks like all the things we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, when yeah. we're doing things to try and escape or avoid life or... Even sometimes I think um, using it in a way that at first it was super healthy. You know, I'm doing this and I'm doing it for 10 minutes a day and it's just like relaxed breathing Mm -hmm. to get myself into the right mindset, that kind of thing. But then it turns out to be like 30 minutes or 30 minutes Mm -hmm. four times a day Mm -hmm. or, you know what I mean? Something where it becomes almost like if something is compulsive or you become obsessive about it, you know, those are kind of indications Mm -hmm. too that that it's not helping you anymore. It's creating more harm than good. Yeah. The way I think of it is if if that's what you need for right now, I don't think it can be too much. I mean, if you're really battling anger and you have a strategy of every time I'm really kind of feeling that anger come up, I'm going to go for a five minute walk. I'd rather have you go for 55 minute walks a day (laughs) than explode at your kids in anger. But that should also be an indication of like, wow, I'm needing to use this strategy so much. I can't just, like, this can't be my forever pattern. Like, that should be an indication. I probably need some therapy. I need a group. I need to figure out what is causing this anger so much. And I I say that, too, because of how many betrayed spouses are listening, that if you're in the midst of, like, that early betrayal, 50 times a day, you might need some coping skills to not Mm -hmm. go crazy, to not lose your stuff on somebody else, to not just, you know, kind of give up on life. And if you need it 50 times a day, great. 
But there's also a level where you kind of look and go, man, if, if I'm needing this level just to get through my day, I'd, I'd better reach out for other levels of support too, mm-hmm. because this, this isn't sustainable for the long haul. But again, if, if it's where you're at right now in some intense emotions, like, like I said, I'd rather have people yeah. using some healthy coping yeah. than just bottling it up or thinking I've just got to power through and, and really never facing what, what it is they're experiencing. Yeah. If the degree and frequency of your coping skill is causing more problems than it's solving, then that's a good indicator. It's become an issue. And I think again, not to sound like a broken record, but the way people respond around you can be a good barometer of where it's at. Like taking a pulse or a temperature on it, like, and you want to ask a brave question, ask your spouse or your group members or people around you on a regular basis. Do you think I'm doing this behavior too much? Or how does this behavior when I do it affect you? Cause maybe I do go on 55 minute walks. And if I came up to you, my boss is like, how is this impacting you? And you'd say, you're not getting any work done. <laughs> like it's negatively impacting me and other people. That would be like a, oh, okay, like I need to make some changes then. So yeah, I just think, is it causing more problems? And we have to be aware of that because the reason we're going to it is to try to help manage problems. But if our management of a problem creates more problems, that's a problem. (laughs) (laughs) Problems. There you go. That's right. So Heather, as we're choosing coping skills and, and hopefully developing a list for ourselves of what are our healthy coping skills, especially at the holidays, how could we go about communicating that to other people like our spouse or close friends? Because uh, let's face it, any choices like this we make are going to impact the people around us. So how could we do that or communicate that in a way that is honoring to those relationships around us? That is a great question. I think that sometimes, especially during the holidays, and we've talked about this, that they tend to be kind of um, triggering and stressful for a lot of us. They are. Okay, they are. Um, (laughs) I think that it is important to communicate not only our expectations, but even if we, let's say that we develop boundaries around family gatherings that we decide that, okay, we're going to show up and and we're going to be there for this long. And and I think communicating that is really important, especially with a um, spouse or family member. Because it might be that we decide that, okay, if we're going to go to this thing and, and I know that I can probably only be there for just a couple hours, but if you want to be there longer, then maybe we should drive separately in case there's something that, yeah. that needs to happen or that, that might happen yeah. where I need to leave at a different time than you. I just think that that's being smart mm-hmm. and using those coping strategies, I don't know, effectively because they are definitely going to impact the people that you're around. Yeah. I don't know if I'd necessarily tell your family, you know, I'm only going to be there for two hours and then I'm because leaving. Because you're getting the word <laughs> We are leaving. Yeah. I, I really think like, and there's a lot to be said about just including someone else in the process mm-hmm. of like, you know, you want to ask another brave question, like ask your spouse or a family member, like what are coping behaviors you think that would help me? And inviting that, you know, that feedback into that, I think that could be helpful. Now you might get some weird <laughs> responses. Like Nick might say to me, Trev, you should go on a run. And I'd be like, not a single day <laughs> in my life. No, thank you. Right. But I think that we need to be open to that. Um, and then for me, my tendency is to tell, not ask. Like, hey, I'm going to go do this versus, hey, is it okay? Or when do you think we might have time for me to go do this? And, you know, that's some of my wounds coming out even in that. But I think that, again, it's, it's really pressing into relationship and making sure that we're not pulling away from that because I think that's what coping behaviors and skills should really be doing is pushing us into deeper relationship. And that doesn't mean that that's not something that takes us away from other people for a period of time. 
One of them for me is going to see a movie by myself. I just, for whatever reason, absolutely love it. But when I come home, I'm in a better headspace and that pushes me deeper into relationship with my spouse, with my kids. And so I think that we have to evaluate it through that filter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love that idea of asking a question of our spouses or our close friends. Um, but I'll suggest a question that I think is even braver because it's taking it a step mm. further back to go to your spouse or family member or someone that knows you well and say, when you think about me and the holidays or our Christmas trip or Christmas vacation, what concerns do you have? Because they know you well enough. They know your patterns. They know Mm -hmm. maybe things that have happened that caused them fear or concern or, you know, they observed a family blow up and they're like, and I think they'll be honest with you to say, well, I I am concerned you'll, there might be a relapse because of X, Y, or Z, or I'm concerned that you're going to get into that same old fight with uncle, you know, Harry or um, maybe on, and I think this is a question even the betrayed spouse could ask because maybe your spouse might say to you, I'm concerned you're going to burn yourself out. I think you're going to try to do too much. I'm, I've watched you kind of go through these highs and lows that when things don't meet your expectations. So I'm worried about those lows. And I think if we're really asking for input, people maybe see things even better than we do. And then with their input, we can ask the the question you did, Trevor, to say, okay, what strategies could we Mm. put in place to prevent that from happening again? And so if it is, you know, getting burnt out, to say, okay, what, what are skills that I could use when I'm starting to feel that rather than just trying to push through like past years? Or what, what could I do when I feel the room temperature with that family argument starting to go up? Like, okay, here's my coping skill. And I think in involving family members or spouses, not only in the strategy, but also naming the concerns, yeah. not only is helpful to you, but in that relationship, I think it shows uh, a level of humility that can mean a lot in totally. that relationship. Like, wow, they're way. really open to what I've seen. Mm-hmm. And they may see something you don't agree with, um, which actually is the beauty of asking the question that <laughs> That's right. we can lack self-awareness. And we have to be willing to say that I lack the awareness to see everything I need to see. You might be seeing something I don't see. And if you say something I don't agree with, rather than disagreeing, I need to accept and go, oh, They've just named something I don't see, which is the whole point of asking the question. So if they do say something you don't agree with, like before you get defensive, take a deep breath and realize that's a gift they've just given you by being willing to name something that they know you might not agree with. And then just look at, okay, how can I help you in this area? And who doesn't love gifts at the holidays? (laughs) (laughs) The Uh, the gift of here's something you're bad at, right? Yep. That's how you suck at. Here you go. Um, Okay. So for those of us in recovery and healing, we can pretty easily identify unhealthy coping behaviors. Masturbation, pornography, snooping on our phones, our spouse's phone. What are some healthy coping skills? And this is I, this is actually my favorite question of the episode that maybe we personally are this holiday season trying to implement or have found success in. What healthy coping skills? So for me personally, I have... In Crim- the moment, criminal minds. Oh, sorry. No, exactly. <laughs> Don't jump the gun. <laughs> I know. Seriously, I, um, I didn't know we were getting so personal. Yeah. I, know. <laughs> I have some in the moment coping skills, mm. and I have some coping skills that are just like daily yeah. habits. Yeah. So my daily habits are, you know, spending time reading my Bible, getting good sleep, eating well, mm-hmm. journaling, yeah. those kind of things that are things that I do. Probably not every day. I mean, the sleep part I do, but. Yeah. Probably not every day, but most days of the week, I do those things. Yep. The other things that are more like in the moment things are um, pray. Like if something happens that immediately yeah. causes me stress, so either at a family thing, sometimes even in a busy 
holiday season meetings, that kind of thing. Um, I will pray. I'll just like not say anything and just count to five, maybe to 10, depending on what it is. I've seen her use that is. coping skill many a time. Yes. <laughs> or I will, especially if it's in a meeting or around other people and somebody else is talking and I feel mm -hmm. this level of anxiety, then I will just start to make myself a list of different thoughts and feelings that I'm having. Mm -hmm. Usually it's more feelings related, yeah. but just things so that I'm keeping that level of awareness there. And so that then even after I can look at it or just take a few minutes and breathe and think through why I was feeling those things in that moment. But I just think that those are some of the things that are helpful, you know, mm -hmm. for people to not only have the ones that we do all the time, but yeah. the in the moment ones are really helpful too. Yeah. So note to self, if Heather starts writing during a meeting, not necessarily a good thing. If you say something to her. Oh, she thought what I said she, was profound. Wow, no, she's writing that down. Controlling her emotions. Yeah, oops. No, uh, you know, the thing that came to mind for me at the holidays, Christmas, you know, I, I think we really are challenged by, um, you know, commercials, movies, whatever, yeah. of all the things we don't have yeah. or wish we had or... Well, remember that one year we got to go home for Christmas and this year we can't, or that one year we got snow and this year we don't, or I really wanted to buy you that gift, but we can't afford it. You know, we're, we're reminded of like what could be, mm -hmm. and there can be the sense of like, oh, we didn't get to, or we don't have. Yeah. And that's where I think just writing out gratitudes as mm -hmm. whether it's first thing in the day or at the end yeah. of the day of focusing on what we do have, yeah. what did happen. I mean, that's, that's something I found remarkable, even maybe in a family gathering that's like, well, that was kind of a train wreck. If I actually stop and think through what are things I'm grateful for, it's like, oh, you know, so-and-so complimented this about my family. And I don't think I'd ever heard them say that. That was really cool. Yeah. Or, or there was this little connection I had, you know, in a total side conversation with one of my kids that ended up being really meaningful. And just those moments that you can remember and cherish in the midst of maybe things that you think didn't go so well. So I, I think the way that gratitude grounds us in what is mm -hmm. And what we do have, what we can be thankful for is really, really key in this season. And, and then the other thing that came to mind is looking at where do you give yourself permission um, that maybe things you're tempted to use as coping skills in other seasons of life, you allow yourself to do more of. I mean, so for me, yeah. one of those examples is like January 1st, college football bowl games. I won't normally, I, I just have too much to do to sit for four or five hours and watch yeah. college football. But yeah. on that day, it, unless we have you know, family plans, which some years we have, but a lot of times there's like, there's no plans. And I'm like, my plan is going to be to eat the leftover New Year's Eve serious. snacks right. and You're watch college football. Yeah, right. And yeah. right. am I coping? Am I just taking a day to do easy thing? I don't, I don't always yeah. know, but it's like, it's a day that I've given myself permission yeah. to engage in things that are fun and enjoyable. Um, yeah. And whether or not on that day, like I need to cope with strong emotions or not mm -hmm. kind of becomes irrelevant by the time we get there. But what I also notice is if I know I have days like that coming in the holiday season. I can put up with a lot of other <laughs> stuff along the way. Cause it's like, yeah, I've, I've got my pockets coming yeah. where I'm going to be able to kind of let go of right. all this and do something I really enjoy. And that could be with family too. I wouldn't say it's just college football games, oh, but man. so if you're in a meeting with Nick example. and he's like January 1st, January 1st, January 1st, <laughs> then you know that he's triggered. So I'm looking up the college bowl game That's schedule. So <laughs> um, it's funny just today I was having a conversation uh, with a close friend of mine um, who just started therapy and his therapist said that when we're in like normal seasons, it's, it's normal to have routines and things that we can do. But when you're going through crisis or a difficulty, it's not realistic to expect that you'd be having the same rhythms and the routines. And right now we're in a season of my wife recovering from a major surgery. 
And I don't have that time. I don't have the same time that I, I normally have to get up at the exact same time. Like my wife can't get out of bed, you know? And so it's like something I need to go and I need to care for the kids in the middle of the night. And if something happens during nap time, that has to be me. I have to pick the boys up. And so it's one of those things where, um, where we need to evaluate what season we're in. And especially in the holiday season, like we've already talked about lack of schedule, things like that going on. But what this therapist was saying was that just pick one and just focus on that one today. Like don't, mm. don't say, cause for me, the three I wrote down, exercising, reading, and journaling. Those are the, the three things, but those are the three things that I'm not able to do every single day right now because of the season that we're in. And this season's only going to last for a few more weeks. You know, it's not going to be, um, this major thing, but it, it's something where I need to give myself grace and understanding that today I'm just going to journal tomorrow. We'll see what happens. I wake up tomorrow. Today, I've got a pocket to exercise. I'm going to exercise, things like that. So I think in this season, due to the ups and downs and different things, and I'm not even talking about my personal season, I'm just in the holidays, I think picking one thing that we know we can do today to help mm-hmm. bring that management of what's going on with me, I think can go a long way. Well, hopefully this has been really helpful for all of us to think through, you know, what does it look like to cope during the holidays mm-hmm. and what does it look like to cope in a way that brings greater health and not regrets? And so Heather uh, and Trevor, what final tips or advice can we give men and women to help us create health for the holidays by using healthy coping skills? Vacuum more. (laughs) (laughs) I will Feel free to come to my house and vacuum, by the way. That's (laughs) like, I'll just offer that space up as much as you need. That's right. Oh, guys, Heather's coming over. Back up, back up. Everything No, I don't vacuum anymore because I know it's a negative coping skill. So yeah, my husband vacuums. So um, I... And I know I say this a lot, but I always just encourage people to pick one thing. Mm -hmm. So in a different way than you just said one thing, Trevor, but just to pick one thing and try it consistently, if it means that you're going to like try meditating, biblical Mm -hmm. meditation for 10 minutes throughout the day, or, you know, just different things to pick one thing and try it for, usually I say a month, but try it for at least a week and see how that feels to you. See how it fits into what you're trying to accomplish. See if it brings out some really good awareness for you. And then if it if it doesn't work, pick something different. Yeah. But I think that because really coping skills are so unique to us yeah. and based on the season of life mm-hmm. that we kind of need to go through a little bit of a trial and error type period and just kind of see what fits for us. And, and there's yeah. really with this one, I would say there's no wrong, but there definitely are a few wrongs. But, <laughs> but still, it's just one of those things that if you want to, I don't know, do something that's artistic yeah. or creative right. or, you know, something like that. And yeah. you find that mm, you don't really like that, then yeah. that's okay. Pick something new. But even in that, we need to give ourselves permission to be terrible at it when we start. Seriously. And we are so bad at that as human beings. We yes. expect like, I, it's funny. I was explaining um, to a friend recently about the season we're in it, it, personally that like, I'm not a surfer, but when the season started, I was looking, I was on a surfboard looking at this huge wave and I have no idea what I'm going to do. It's like, well, yeah, you've never surfed before. How would you know how to like surf this wave? Of course not. So I think it is important to give ourselves grace in that. The only other thing I would add is finding coping skills that you can do with other people. Um, and I know this might not seem like a coping skill, but you know, I sent out a text today saying I was having a hard time. And that friend who's in therapy, he called me and talking to him is a coping skill. Mm-hmm. Having a conversation, mm-hmm. processing my emotions, what I'm feeling, how it's going. Like that is a way for me to manage what's going on and to cope. And so finding a way to do that 
at the same time that you're connecting with other people and, you know, maybe it's going on a run for you, Nick, which, you know, again, I don't understand at all, but like doing that with someone else, whether it's a spouse or a friend, you know, or going to see a movie with somebody. So finding ways that we can cope in, um, in healthy ways and safe ways and a way that can have a relational element to it. I, I sometimes don't like running with my dog, so I don't know if I'm going to run with another person, just <laughs> FYI. <laughs> That's part of the coping for me is like everybody else is, a, is away from me That's and fair. I just get to think. But yeah, That's um, fair. I, I think there's so many things we can do. What came to mind for me is when you're looking at the holidays, I think it would be really important to just identify what's your greatest threat and write it out like in one mm-hmm. sentence. My greatest threat is, and if you know, you're in recovery, yeah. you might just say relapse yep. or it might be blowing up in anger at my kids. It might be, you know, yelling at my parents. Maybe it's uh, drinking too much. Um, whatever kind of your trap or vice or pattern has been to just be clear about it. Say my greatest threat is, and, and fill in the blank. And then one of the things we've used as a tool at Pure Desire is the escape plan as it comes to rela- relapses. Mm-hmm. But I think we could have the same idea to say, if I can feel that I am moving towards my greatest threat, what are three or four quick strategies that I can do without a whole lot of time, preparation, or planning to, to move back away from that threat. Yeah. Um, so for relapse, you know, my escape plan had been things like I can hand my smartphone to my wife, I can make sure I move into a room where other people are, yeah. and I can, you know, take some time to get fresh air just to get out of, you know, uh, clogged spaces and devices yep. and all that can be part of my pattern. And so if, to go out for a walk or something like, oh, it just changes the environment. So those are things that don't require a lot of time, preparation, or planning, and can be just kind of this quick, mm-hmm. I need to cope because I feel something happening. And I think we all need that mm-hmm. for whatever our threat is. But yeah. if we haven't identified the threat, we're not going to have coping strategies. And if we only identify the threat, mm-hmm. but not what we're going to do, right. it probably won't come to mind um, when we need it. And then the last thing I'd say about that is write it down or put it on your phone, put it somewhere where you'll see it or could quickly call it to mind. Because it is amazing to yeah. me when we feel that threat coming on, how quickly our our rational thoughts are gone. We're like, mm-hmm. what, did I, what was I going to do? I'm, and then we just get kind of paralyzed and do nothing. Mm-hmm. So keep yep. it handy, communicate it mm-hmm. to your spouse or close friend if you can, because I think when we've identified that, you know, we've called it in other podcasts, that head of the snake, and we're ready to deal with the worst thing, it's amazing how we can deal with everything else under it. Because we, mm-hmm. we're kind of feeling yeah. like we've got a plan for the hardest thing, and then everything else feels more doable. Right, for sure. Yeah, from our conversation, it, and I'm saying this every single time with this series, is it absolutely is possible to be healthy for the holidays. And specifically today, we talked about that coping skills, using healthy coping skills is absolutely possible. And I might even say essential when we're in the holiday season, again, because of all the factors and unique dynamics that this time of year can bring. But we hope our conversation, regardless, was helpful for you, was helpful giving you maybe some thoughts on what are some new coping skills I could try out and maybe be terrible at for a little bit, (laughs) but allow myself the space to step into that. Um, And just a good reminder that there are healthy coping skills around us that are there for us to use at our disposal in this difficult and potentially challenging season. Uh, Head, thanks for your time. Thanks for your thoughts on this. We appreciate you. Yeah, this was a great conversation. And wherever you're at on your journey, Pure Desire is here to help create a roadmap for your healing. If you or someone you know is impacted by sexual brokenness or betrayal trauma, go to puredesire.org and begin the healing journey today. If this podcast is helpful on your journey, please share it with others. Make sure to subscribe to the show, drop us a review. It helps others find the podcast. Each week we're putting out new content to help you on the road to healing and freedom. And lastly, never stop being healthy.
Here's what's coming up next week on the Pure Desire podcast. Every woman that takes a breath. This is going to be one of our best resources that we've ever put out. They're wanting to be married. They're wanting to be sexual. And they're saying, what does this even look like? Is it even okay to have these discussions? I think that's one of the things that's interesting about women who struggle is that we don't take good care of ourselves. Right. We we are the last person and sometimes we are taking care of everybody else, but we're the last person that we take care of. And that I think is my favorite part about these resources.